Welcome to the Student of Running Podcast, Episode 3. I'm your host, Chandler Maciel, and today I'm joined by my guest, um, Dr. Stephen Waite. Stephen is a uh, professor at a number of colleges and universities, assistant cross-country coach at Clovis Community College, and a multiple-time Boston Marathon qualifier. Stephen, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, um, let's just jump in. Um, we have some questions written down here. So, yeah, how'd you get your start in running? Uh, it's kind of interesting. Um, my, I really started probably about six years ago. Um, it really started around my grad school time uh, when I was attending Fresno Pacific to get my master's in exercise science. Um, I just finished a career in soccer, and, and I was a goalkeeper, um, but I, I really enjoyed uh, endurance training. Um, and I was, since I was getting my master's, I was uh, helping Dr. DeBall in, in the labs, and I was helping with exercise physiology and biomechanics and, and motor behavior, and um, there, there came a point in, the, in the, the first semester that I was teaching that we were doing VO2 max testing and, and messing with the metabolic cart and whatnot, and I became very intrigued in it and uh, did a little research study, uh, a little project in it. And uh, during it, I, I tested myself, and I thought, oh, man, I, I actually have a pretty good VO2. Like, maybe I should try this running thing. And about the same time, uh, I was working at a PT clinic as well, and I was a run club director, uh, or the, the owner of the clinic asked if I should go to the run club, and I was like, well, I'm not really a runner, but I, I enjoy jogging. So I was like, oh, what the heck, I'll do it. Um, and I just jumped right into it and started helping people train for the local two cities half marathon. Uh, and then while while I was training them, I would just run with them and train myself. And uh, ran my first half at like a like a 122 or something. And I was like, well, that's respectable. Maybe I could get good at this, you know. And it just took off from there. And you know, next thing I know, I'm like six years later. I've run 15 marathons and over 30 halves. And just loving it. That's awesome. Yeah, so when you were playing soccer, were you running at all, like, as part of conditioning? Like, as a goalie, probably not as much as yeah. the rest of the team. Well, it's actually kind of ironic, because uh, I, I enjoyed running, and um, when, when we would do conditioning in the summer, uh, I, like, Coach Jaime always joked with me that I, I came in as one of the most fit individuals on the team, and we would do this, uh, like, five-mile time trial, um, the, like, two weeks before season started, and it's like a tradition at FPU, they always do the same five-mile route. And uh, I took first on the team in, in the five-mile tempo run. <laughs> as the and, goalie. As the goalie, yeah. So, and I was really into, like, CrossFit and other types of training. So, like, there was definitely some endurance built into what I was already doing. So, so as far as a goalkeeper, it wasn't necessary. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it, though. That's cool. That's a, a really uh, unique way to get into running. I feel like a lot of people go, like, oh, I, I ran the mile in PE in, in middle school and cross-country coach recruited me and just kept running from there right? yep, uh, that wasn't me it yeah. definitely ran in my family though my, my brother was a good runner and so was my dad so it was in the genes so you mentioned you had like started running while um, you were in grad school what motivated you to uh, do your uh, doctoral work in running yeah it, it actually started with I, I wouldn't say I pursued my my doctorate with a, a focus in, in looking at running but it just was a part of the curriculum like one of the first courses I took uh, in the grad program was uh, uh, cardiovascular responses to exercise and obviously it was very 
aerobic focus and and I um, I got into some research on like altitude training and distance training and and it just really sparked my joy for it even more uh, and at that point I was already training for half marathons and I was getting my time under 120 and aiming for that you know 115 half time and that was I just kept hitting those goals um, but as far as like the, the dissertation part of the of the doctorate, um, I came up with my idea after I run my first Boston Marathon, and I was just starting off in the doctoral program, and I thought, man, what, like, what really motivates people to do that? Like, I mean, it's so extreme. I mean, I was plugging in like 100 miles a week training for this thing, and to the point where I was like basically wrecking myself. But I loved every moment of it, and afterwards I was like, I can't wait to come back. I got to requalify and come back again. And it just turned into this this uh, idea of like what motivates people to do this. Yeah. And were you already at that time surrounded by a community of uh, other runners who were trying to qualify for Boston or, or were yeah. trying to uh, set personal bests at the marathon distance? Yeah, I was. In fact, I got involved with a group of guys that we were all training for basically to qualify for Boston. Uh, a little after uh, grad school, my, after my master's, um, I, I left the PT clinic and quit working as a run club coach. Um, and I joined a local group called the Bandoleros. And it really, it was just a, a a bunch of random guys that we just enjoyed running and we just got together and we're like hey let's form our own club and you know we're gonna have a club that doesn't have any fees you know our coach was um, uh, Nestor Ayala and he's he's a, a 218 marathoner from Mexico um, and you know he's in his 50s or 60s now and, and he was just like hey I'll coach you guys I'll write your training program um, let's just have fun with this and you know in broken English of course and uh, we were like hey what the heck let's do this and one day we were actually out at like a karaoke bar or something and we were like what should we call our group and we're like and then uh, coach said uh, bandoleros and we're like oh okay what's that and he said it's the band of brothers and next thing I know we're we're all training and running running about the same time same mileage same training program uh, and it, just about everybody in our group uh, qualified for Boston and has run it multiple times since. Yeah, that's that's really impressive. And if it's a little uh, loud, a little bit of background noise <laughs> right now, we're in a coffee shop in Clovis, California, Cup of Joy Coffee. It's really good. Definitely uh, podcast approved. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, um, kind of moving into your uh, doctoral dissertation, um, what was that? Uh, what did you look at? And um, like, what were some of the main findings that uh, you found? Yeah, um, the, so the dissertation itself was uh, uh, basically identifying uh, motives in marathon runners. And uh, what I was trying to do is, is establish what the difference in motivation is between uh, Boston qualifiers, uh, those trying to Boston qualify, and then the ones that aren't Boston qualifiers. So really... What I, the idea was, can I, can I separate these groups of achievers, of non-professional runners, and identify patterns in motivation that separates them for why they're successful and what they do? Um, and it, it just it turned into just a, a really good study, really interesting study. I found a, a, a motivation uh, survey that was actually designed in the mid-90s uh, that was for... Um, uh, basically identifying motivation in marathon runners so it was like a perfect fit um, and I went forward with it uh, it was successful I, I got over 300 people to participate in the survey response uh, and it was mostly local marathoners um, so I recruited from the two cities database uh, Bakersfield and, and Modesto along with other local little runs anybody that basically had run a marathon could partake in the survey and uh, I found that 
the the one source of motivation that separated the BQ and TBQ from the the non qualifiers mm-hmm. was social interaction, which was interesting because uh, it makes sense that we're we're social beings and that's why we we enjoy our running groups. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was no research that that identified that. Every everything leaned towards oh they're achievers or they they have fitness goals or they're you know just psychologically in their own little world. Um, but the reality is, like, we enjoy it. We enjoy the social interaction. I mean, my favorite, my favorite day of the week is Sunday because Sunday is long, long run day, and when I get together with my buddies and we talk for 20 miles, and then when we're done, we have coffee and we head off to church, and that's that's every Sunday morning. Yeah, that I mean, that definitely is something that you see like at the elite level and at the um, just the recreational level or the kind of somewhere in between that that semi-competitive level where you're trying to qualify for Boston or, or uh, New York or some other big road race. Um, so uh, the those who qualified for Boston and were trying to qualify for Boston, they were more motivated by social reasons than by um, what, 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 I guess what was the, those well, who didn't qualify, what, why not? Yeah, and from a motivation. And it, 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 I should state that the, the highest form of motivation was still achievement and personal goals. Um, I think it was like achievement followed by physical and then followed by social. But what what was interesting is that the, the non-qualifying group almost reported no desire for social at all. So that was the separating factor was like, oh, social engagement is the big deal. And I, I think, in, in my opinion, based off of what I found, um, what, it, what it means is in order to be successful in the sport, you have to really engage and make it a part of your lifestyle. And for me, I can attest to that because, I mean, I went from being a college goalkeeper to, you know, running 100 miles a week. And, and even my wife thinks I'm crazy. She's like, you run way too much. It's like, and honestly, I wake up every morning at 5 a.m. And I can't wait to get out the door and go hang out with my team or, or a buddy and go run. Like, every morning. It's almost like a drug, <laughs> you know? Definitely. I think we're all... Anybody who's run for a period of time has definitely felt that addiction to uh, to running and, and wanting to get out the door. And obviously, not always, but um, it's definitely there. So, um, moving back to your own running, so what have you learned over the years? Training for marathons, racing, um, like yeah, what what are some of the things that uh, that you do that you feel like make you successful as a runner? Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of little things that I do. Um, probably one of the big things that, that I was thinking about um, as, as the last like couple couple days, I've been thinking about this talk, and one of the things that I, that I think is really important to, to point out is your nutrition. And uh, I've always been like really strict on my diet, um, and I think probably the only area that I really splurge is every once in a while I like sweets um, and I like a glass of wine. Um, and you know, outside of that, it's it, I'm pretty strict. It's you know. Most primarily vegetables, starchy vegetables, um, uh, whole grains all the time, uh, lean meats, um, dairy as much as I can handle, even though I'm lactose intolerant. <laughs> but um, so it's like the key thing is is really taking care of your body and then recovery alongside that. I'm, and I'm not the best at this. I, I mean, if you look at my history of injuries the last few years, it's like okay, yeah, I'm not one to talk about recovery because I, I kind of push the envelope on that. Uh, but I have learned as I've gotten older that recovery is huge um, and just it's the little things like rolling out I've invested in probably five or six different massage tools um, and, and I honestly can say I use them 
like at least a couple times a day. Like I've got my R8 roller in the car I've already used twice today. So um, that's probably one of the biggest things is just recovery, taking care of the body, being mindful of what you're putting in it. Um, and then sleep too. I always, I, I go to bed by nine o'clock every night and I'm up by five. So I'm getting seven, eight hours of sleep consistently. Yeah, that's, I feel like that sleep component is huge. And we talked about that in the last episode on peak performance, how you know, you need to apply a stress and then you need to rest. And usually sleep is, is the best way that you can get that rest um, uh, or maybe the most important way. So, yeah, th- those are all, I feel like, things that you don't know initially a lot of the times when you first start running. And, and like, you have to figure that out, even if you have, like, already your diet squared away. Like, learning how to recover and how to uh, how to take care of all that is really important. Yep. Um, so... Uh, you work at uh, Coast Community College as well, both as a professor and as an assistant coach, um, and assisting CJ Albertson, who is our first guest on the podcast, uh, which is really cool. It's a fun connection. Um, so, um, yeah, what's your role there? What have you learned uh, working with CJ and, and working with the kids? Yeah, um, it's it's been a joy working with CJ. Um, uh, my, my role is, is I, I am his assistant coach, so I'm like the, the head assistant for both teams. Uh, CJ is in charge of both the men's and women's. Um, so we, we basically, re- realistically, CJ just runs the program. He, he uh, comes up with the training programs. I mean, he's the mastermind behind it. Uh, he really is a, um, a, a student of the sport for sure. Um, and I'm just kind of there to, to support him, uh, support whatever he needs, help with recruiting when I can. Uh, I am teaching at like five colleges, so I tap into the recruiting a little bit um, in that area. And then um, really probably my, my primary role is, since I, I am a professor of kinesiology, I have a lot of uh, resources and insight on, on how the body functions. And, um, and you know, like, like I said earlier, recovery is key, so I'm really focusing on with my athletes on making sure they get the recovery they need. They come to me all the time with, with questions about you know injuries and stuff, and and I not that I diagnose them, but I you know if if it's something that I've dealt with and I know how to you know alleviate it a little bit, I'll, I'll give some advice on that and just kind of help them through the process, and then you know send them to the trainer when needed. Um, and and then the other the role I, I probably have the most is uh, is I, I guess you could call me like the motivator coach. Um, CJ is kind of like the quiet storm and, and the quiet leader. And, uh, and I'm more the loud one. I'm the, kind of like the personality guy. Like when we travel, everybody wants to go and coach Wade's van because <laughs> it's the party van. Um, and I just try and bring life to the team. Um, and when I go out on runs, especially with the guys, like I'm very open to them. Like we've, we've talked about some sticky subjects and I just love to talk about life. Um, you know, it, it, we've gone as far as the you know talk about sex I mean whatever it is that that because you know it's on their mind and they're they're college students and they're young and and I just try and like lead them down the right path as best as I can um not a lot of these guys probably don't have a Christian influence in their life so it's I like to try and plug that in as much as I can um yeah and and I and obviously I'm young but I, I feel like I've experienced a lot in the last 10 years and and I have a lot to offer these guys, so I try and give as much advice as I can and just mentor them as much as I can. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think a lot of a lot of times when people think about coaching, they think about, okay, like, what's the training have to look like? What's, uh, like, the logistics of traveling to a race and, and like, performing well? But um, 
I, I kind of think of like uh, Coach Joe V. Hill who talks about like you have to be a good person if you want to be a good athlete. And um, and yeah, definitely like it's very true. Yeah, bring like bringing your faith to uh, to that group um, in you know whatever ways, just in, through conversation and stuff. Like that's such a great great way to influence them and, and um, just be there to to talk through things. I feel like all my closest friends are people who I've shared like any, anywhere from like a few hundred miles to like probably well over a thousand miles like yeah. though yeah I feel like yeah you can measure friendships and like miles that you've run together yeah absolutely um, so um, another role that you've had in the, the running community is as a timer so you worked for tally timing um, yeah. which is a largely a Central Valley based uh, timing uh, company for uh races road races community runs um, so yeah what's that like what are some things that people might not know about uh what timers do people just show up at a race and uh think oh yeah you know i, I just grab my uh, my chip and i'm good to go and like i'll get my time within a few minutes of when i finish it's like like it's really easy on the runner's side but what's it like on the timer side yeah it's kind of interesting um there, there is a lot that goes into it i, I got started with tally timing probably about a little over three years ago, I want to say, um, and just kind of helping with events and uh, learning how to time things, uh, learning about the software, um, and then all the way to this last January, I actually went in with a, a buddy and, and purchased a company, so I was a co-owner for a while. I actually recently backed out of ownership just because of everything I got going on, um, so I mostly just assist my friend and, uh, and help him run, run, it, run things when, when he needs the help. Um, but it, the yeah the the timing side of things is just uh, it's amazing how much goes into it there's timing so you have the equipment itself which you know it takes you an hour or so to set everything up before a race um, and and it you would be shocked how much money goes into it i mean they've we've easily got probably a quarter million dollars worth of equipment and and software and stuff wow. that goes into it so it's there's a huge investment there um and then the uh, the software itself, um, it, it's it's a little complex. So you have to, I mean, it's really simple the way it works, but it's complex in in setting up the race, and especially if there's different divisions and like and different distances and multiple races going on in one day, and um, and just troubleshooting things and getting time spit out. Um, I'll put it this way. It, it, I appreciate timers now <laughs> a lot more than I did before I, I started working as a timer. And I also really appreciate um, race directors, especially directors who direct and time. I mean, hats off to them because if they can put together an event and you walk away feeling like you know everything went smoothly and, and you enjoyed, enjoyed yourself at the event, then they're doing a really good job because <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. I think um, it's cool to have that perspective, probably as an athlete too. Like You've been to some some of like the um, marathon majors um, and like where they're dealing with tens of thousands oh, of people yeah. and it's like if it's really hard to handle like one or two thousand people um, at like a small community race like yeah how much goes into it's oh, probably it's a year-round thing yeah oh yeah I'm sure like the directors of, of Boston and New York and Chicago those guys are you know they're working year-round that's their only job is to focus on making that 50,000 running event, you know, the best it can be each year. So it's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. So um, you're definitely what I would consider a student of the sport and, and the student of running podcast, of course. So um, what are some things that you'd like to see moving forward for like American distance running, uh, maybe in particular on the men's side, uh, but yeah, just in general, American distance running? 
Yeah, yeah. We're, we're in a very exciting time right now. Uh, there's a lot of young, talented runners coming up the ranks. Um, I think running as a whole in America is probably at its greatest peak right now. Maybe not so much just as um, performance itself, uh, but just the number of people that are involved in it. Um, and a lot of that goes goes towards the recreational race running events too. I mean, just look at Boston, for instance. And you know, you're talking non-professionals, um, and every year it's getting faster and faster to get in. I mean, they've literally dropped the time requirements, and people still aren't getting in. So it just shows you how competitive uh, the running environment is. And I think on the men's side, um, it's exciting. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm really excited for this upcoming trials because I think we're going to see some some major surprises and. and hopefully CJ's one of them. <laughs> yes. Um, and, you know, because there, there's a lot of talented runners that are going to show up to this. Um, in fact, I was at CIM last year when everybody was basically running to qualify, and it was shocking how many American men went under, you know, 215. I was like, wow, this this is impressive. Like, there's some fast guys right now. Yeah. Um, and even on the women's side, too, we've got a lot of strong elite women out there. Um so it's, it's an exciting time. It's it's continuing to grow, which is positive. Um, and I, I really think in the next decade we're going to see some surprises. Um, I think that, you know, I, I, I would say that if we continue to build the way we are, in a decade from now we may be the powerhouse of the world of running, you know, because of how much people are investing in the sport. It was never like this before. Uh, so this, this is very exciting. Yeah, you think um, soon, like, uh, we'll see multiple like American medalists at like the the 5,000 10,000 marathon distances yeah I think um, I think early on I think our success will mostly be in the five the 5,000 and 10,000 mm -hmm. because of um, the prestige of our of our track programs yep. throughout the nation uh, at the college level um, I mean we're just seeing guys that are just smoking it. I mean look at Galen Rupp he was a 10k guy and, and medaled right at the uh, Olympics and then switched to the marathon and now he's like you know, sub 210 marathon or right off the bat. So, um, yeah, I think I think in the long run, marathon, like our dominance in marathoning will take time, uh, but we'll get there and you're, we're going to see this success early on in the 5K and 10K. Yeah, you know, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, to 2020 and, yeah. and I think it'll be, uh, yeah, the start of something really great for American distance running or, or the momentum is finally catching if it was started in like the early 2000s. Absolutely. Um, so now kind of moving into uh, some of our final quick hitter questions. Um, What's your favorite book? It could be about running. Doesn't have to be. Yeah, I'm. To be honest with you, I'm not a huge reader. Um, I actually probably have read. Well, I, I know I've read many more textbooks and uh, <laughs> research articles than I have uh, joy, joy reading books. Um, but I, I, do, I don't really have a favorite book. Um, but I have a, a collection of, of actually running uh, and faith-based books uh, that they're probably top of my list. Um, one of my favorite authors is uh, Matt Fitzgerald. I actually got to meet Matt a couple of times. Um, I met him at uh, Modesto. He actually lives in Modesto. He was at the marathon, and um, I talked to him about like what I was doing, my dissertation and stuff. He actually wants to get together with me and, and talk about writing a motivation book. And uh, so I need to. That's one of those uh, bucket list things I need to follow up with him. Um, but I bought all of his books and had them signed by him, and have, I've sat down and talked to him and. Um, 
at expos and uh, and his his books are great. Uh, one of my favorite ones that he just came out with is uh, Life is a Marathon. Uh, highly recommend reading that book. It really hits on kind of what I've already talked about, like the social aspect of running um, and how you know he he compares his life of uh, pursuing marathon running and how. Um, a marathon is like our stages of life, right? Yeah, through training and whatnot. So a really good read. And another book that I just finished reading, actually just finished the final chapter uh, today on my afternoon walk, um, is uh, Meb, uh, Meb's book, 26 Marathons. Um, and it's, I forget the whole length of the title, it's something about like uh, his marathon career through faith and life and, and all of the above. And a uh, really good read. Um, I highly recommend it. He, he takes you chapter by chapter uh, through every professional marathon he's run, which is 26 marathons from New York to finishing in New York. Um, and he, he talks about his journey and like gives a lot of really good advice. So for those of you that are students of running, I highly recommend picking up uh, Meb's new book. Awesome. Yeah. I, it's definitely on my short list of books to read. Um, so, yeah, it, it's pretty incredible how many running books have come out in the last, yeah. like, five years or so and are being written. I, I'm pretty yeah. sure there's a few big ones uh, about to drop uh, in the next year or so. Yeah, and it's kind of neat how many of them are, are also tied in with faith, yeah. um, which is really cool. Yeah, Ryan Hall's uh, book. Yeah. That's yeah, the next one I'm going to start reading. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just got my copy about a month ago. So I, I'm well, you were the one that recommended it to me, yeah. I think. Oh, so. yes, I think so. So I ordered it, and it's it's the next one. I'll start it tomorrow morning. <laughs> awesome. That's really cool. Um, all right, so favorite workout? It's got to be a, just a long long run. Probably a long tempo, I guess you could say. Um, I'll be honest with you, I'm not much of a speed guy. Uh, I, I skip speed workouts all the time. Um, I, I just and the reason I'm good at the half marathon and marathon distance is because I just can grind um, I can get into a rhythm and I love to just compete and so for me I can skip speed workouts and be okay with it um, you know the, the true dirty secret is I hate the track um, I have never I've never even raced on the track like I think I've raced a couple times just for fun but I've um, I've never like done a 5k or a 10k on the track um, I think the first I've ever raced is maybe a mile um, just for fun and so for me my favorite workout would have to be just a long tempo um, anywhere from like 10 to 14 miles is like the ideal distance uh, just get into a rhythm and I just let my thoughts take away everything and, and next thing you know you just you forget you just ran for 10 miles you know Totally. So, yeah, like, like marathon pace, like marathon yeah. specific type. Usually, uh, like if my, my ideal, like right now my PR in the marathon is a 237, so it's like a six flat. Uh, so for me, like a hard tempo would be around a six minute pace or under. Um, like on Monday, I did a seven mile tempo with the team uh, at like 550s and it felt, it was enough to where it was uncomfortable, but also like enjoyable. Yep. So. Yeah, those are the perfect, that sweet spot, uh, kind of high-end steady state tempo runs. Those are, are very fun. Um, current running shoes, and, and I'll preface this with, uh, whenever I see you like on campus, <laughs> I feel like you're in a different pair of running shoes uh, like every day. So yeah, what are you currently in right now? Oh man, my, my wife gets mad about this one. I definitely have more running shoes than she does uh, heels or anything else. Uh, I'm definitely a shoe guy. Um, I would say right now my, my shoe is the New Balance Fuel Cell Rebels. Um, it's a fairly new shoe that came out this summer. 
Uh, in fact, they did a, like kind of a limited release, and I I actually talked to the New Balance uh, one of the New Balance reps at the Chicago Marathon Expo, and he told me that they didn't think it would even be that successful a shoe. They actually sold out. Um, you can't even get them on their website hardly anymore. Like all the sizes are gone, and you, Fleet Feet can't even get a hold of them. Um, I think your only place you can get them is like Amazon now. Wow. Um, and it's just a really good shoe. Uh, it supports uh, supinators. It has like a little lip on the outside of it that mm. it kind of like uh, neutralizes those who supinate. And I tend to supinate a lot. Um, so it's been like the perfect shoe. It's lightweight. Uh, feels good. I was racing in the Saucony Kinbara, um, but for some reason the new 10 model, the toe box kind of messed with my with my feet and the way I was planting it and um, kind of just didn't turn out well and so three three days before chicago marathon i rush ordered a pair of these new balance because uh, a friend told me they were good oh my and uh i did a 10 mile run on on a thursday and then uh and raced in the marathon with them on sunday and and they turned out to be great shoes i've been wearing them since don't so. try anything new out of yeah, marathon, yeah, right? yeah exactly yeah i got 10 miles and they were it was okay awesome uh, so uh favorite runner or coach who is no longer running or coaching yeah, for me that's an easy one. It's got to be Meb. Yeah, Meb. Uh, he's 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 my hero. I mean, I mean the guy ran till he was 42 years old. You know, and his last marathon at age 42 was uh, 215. It was actually really cool because uh, that was the first year or the only year I ran New York was his last marathon. So I got to see him and um, I actually got to talk to him briefly, even though he was like totally trashed after the marathon. <laughs> uh, he had a hard day that day, but uh, yeah, he he's probably my my hero as far as. Um, uh, retired runners uh, I really look up to him especially after reading his book I'm just like wow the guy is just he's he's just a, he's a student of the sport he loves the sport and and even now he's running for charities and raising money and he's still engaged and even after a retired pro so he's yeah. my he's definitely my uh, my hero yeah that's awesome um, so yeah thanks for doing this uh, podcast Do you have any closing comments any closing thoughts yeah, you know, I was I was gonna touch on um, uh, Chicago Marathon. I, I just uh, ran that. Uh, gosh, it's almost been two weeks now. Um, a couple weekends ago, uh, it was a great experience. It was my first time running Chicago. Um, I, I was supposed to run it last year and and uh, ended up fracturing my hip. I had a stress fracture and had to drop out three weeks before. But I went and spectated it last year, and I was like, I gotta come back and race this. Um, and so this year I actually ran as a charity uh, runner, which is the first time I've run for a charity. Um, well, I've run for charities before, uh, like Christian-based organizations, but I've never raised money. And uh, this time I, um, I was able to raise funds for an epilepsy foundation uh, called uh, the Danny Did Foundation. It's a local um, children's epilepsy awareness program in Chicago. Um, and that really hit home for me because uh, my wife has epilepsy and um, and we, we've been, you know, working through uh, what it's like to deal with epilepsy. And, and it was new for us because she was uh, diagnosed, like, months before we got married. Oh, wow. So she's only been living with epilepsy for, like, six years. And, um, and so it was new to both of us. Um, and to see, like, to be a part of that uh, movement and to be a part of that charity and to meet kids that had epilepsy and, a, and adults who have gone through the program and uh, just to hear their perspective and... Um, it was just really neat to, to, to be there and to support them um, and how supportive they were of me running in their honor. And it was just like, I, I mean, there were moments in that marathon where like I was really hurting. I went in with some, some nagging injuries and they kind of flared up around mile 16. So I knew the last 10 miles were going to be rough. 
Um, but when when the going got tough, I just kind of thought about my wife. I thought about what I was really, who I was there for, and what I was doing. Um, and man, when I crossed that finish line, I was I was hurting, but uh, uh, all I could think about was just how joyful the experience was. Uh, no matter how hard I pushed, I didn't I didn't hit the PR time I wanted, but I, I walked away just satisfied. And uh, my advice to anyone who's pursuing the marathon at, at some point. Um, you know, do it for a charity, do it for something else besides yourself, and you'd be surprised, like, how good it makes you feel. Yeah, that's really awesome. I, I think that's that's a really cool thing that you don't get to, running's a selfish sport yeah. when it comes down to it, like, oftentimes, like, it, you take away from time with family or time that you could be doing something else to train, um, yeah. when you line up to race, like, a lot of times it's like, okay, what, what can I do for me, like, can I set a personal best, and so to be able to use it um, to, yeah, promote a good for um, somebody else in need like yeah that's just quite an opportunity and yeah definitely something people should uh, should give it a go I, I certainly hope to one day that sounds really cool yeah I think they've already convinced me to sign up for next year again so <laughs> all right we'll so you're going back to Chicago yep that's the plan awesome hey Stephen thank you so much yeah, uh, thank it's, you, been, it's been a pleasure doing this podcast thanks for having me and that wraps up our conversation with Dr. Stephen Waite I really enjoyed it. I hope you did as well. To clarify on a couple of things that were brought up during the podcast, Stephen mentioned BQ and TBQ when talking about his doctoral dissertation, BQ referring to uh, subjects who had qualified for the Boston Marathon, and TBQ referring to those who are trying to qualify. Um, Additionally, if you want to learn more about the charity that Stephen ran for at the 2019 Chicago Marathon, you can check them out at the Danny Did Foundation. Um, they have a website, dannydid.org. Uh, that's D-A-N-N-Y-D-I-D.org. Um, there you can learn more about them, what they're doing. Uh, you could also donate if you're so inclined. Seems like a really great organization that is helping people who have epilepsy. Um, and I just learned about them as a result of our conversation, and I think what they're doing is really fantastic. Finally, as always, thank you very much for listening to the Student of Running podcast. Again, I'm your host, Chandler Maciel. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review. That really helps us with our rankings on the podcast hierarchy. Um, and... If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends, especially those in the running community, um, and I look forward to talking with you all again soon.